Welcome back to Auto Catch Up. This week we have a ton of news to talk about, whether it's the new Audi S8 that launches in Australia, the Arbath 695 Limited Edition that's incoming, um, Ford Australia's update, updated Raptor and Wild Track. As if we didn't see that one coming after the Twitter announcements. Um, but to discuss with all of those news items with me this week and to talk a little bit of motorsport at the end, um, we've got Joel Strickland uh, at Joel Strick Photo. Welcome back this week. Evening, Ash. And uh, how have you been going this week? You've yeah, had a bit much. of a rough time in uh, Victoria with the weather at the moment. Yeah, the weather hasn't been good. We had a couple of massive storm during the week. Uh, that were lots of trees down out in the out, out in the uh, outer suburbs, and uh, even had um, uh, the water purification plant knocked out as well. So a lot of suburbs were without water for not just a day, but a couple of days. So um, it was pretty wild where we were. But uh, I looked on the map. There's an emergency map that you can check out and see what's happening in the area and there was lots of stuff going on around um, us but luckily we weren't sort of too far affected but yeah lots of people had damaged homes and guys of that water and all that kind of stuff so to top that on top of being in lockdown um, not the not the best week to for that to happen but uh, it's supposed to hit again uh, possibly overnight tonight here in Vic but you know our numbers are dropping so hopefully the end's in sight and only a couple more weeks for us hopefully and we'll be able to get back out and uh, and restrictions should hopefully ease yeah, fingers crossed. It certainly um, has been a bit of a, a tough time for everybody and particularly um, those who, who love to, to get out on the roads and, and go for a drive as well. There's only so many streets uh, and, and ways to get to the shops, I'm sure, within five kilometres. Exactly, yeah especially if you live in certain areas or, you know, if you're in the outer outer areas, then you can basically uh, only have one route. So we've got a couple mm. of options where we are, but still it's, uh, yeah, it's not, not the easiest thing to do, so... Yeah, well, look, I've been a bit more fortunate this week and um, I've been having a little bit of fun in the Hyundai i30N Fastback oh, nice. uh, this week. So it's the luxury spec. So um, over the standard model, um, you get push-button start, you get heated seats um, and uh, like a Alcantara suede um, combo seat as well. Um, so no, it doesn't doesn't have too many other bells and whistles. Like it still doesn't have blind spot monitoring. It, it misses a couple of active safety um, features, even um, active cruise. That's not present. But for the type of car it is, you kind of excuse it um, because every time you hit that end mode button on the steering wheel, <laughs> all of your troubles are forgotten, and uh, and your neighbours are also working up at the same time. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It can uh, I can only imagine um, what that, what that's like. I'm dying to drive uh, one of those. I've been a passenger in one briefly, but I'm very much very keen to uh, to actually drive one myself. So um, yeah, what's it like compared to the hatch? Have you driven the hatch? No. So um, since uh, we launched the magazine, they've only ever had the fastback up here. Okay. Um, so first in the that entry level fastback spec and then now in the what they call the luxury and um so but i feel like I, they they say they haven't had any sort of updates at all and we do know that there is an update not too far away that will also bring the the dual clutch transmission because at the moment it's only available in the manual but um 
I, I feel like I have to work just not too much harder, but a little bit harder just to get it to pop and crack and sort of make a whole heap of noise. I don't know if it's just because it's probably been about a year since I've driven that that first one, but it just in my mind it feels like that in that first instance it was just every time I touched or let go of the accelerator it it popped and cracked and did everything. Not that I'm really complaining. It was probably um, – it's still perfectly exciting in, in this car. Like, don't get me wrong. Um, and and certainly gets a lot of attention, particularly in this really bright red that it's in. Um, so it looks great. And uh, But one thing which I do notice, and, and, and you really start to notice the, the track-orientated nature that they've – built this car with is a you do get the 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 warranty covers track usage which is brilliant and a lot of performance cars don't even do that a lot of brands don't cover the usage of the car on the track if something uh breaks or goes wrong so that um obviously it doesn't cover damage if you you know if you put it into the wall but you know if something if something wears out or breaks earlier than it should um you, you you will most likely be able to have it covered under warranty which is fantastic it's pretty good uh, yeah but there's other things that you know that really start to shine in in going that yes this is designed for you to go to the track every now and again in mind um so you can also option in within the menu to have every time you turn on the end mode button to have it actually uh disable the forward collision alert so if you are having a bit of fun you know it won't um scream and yell at you every time you you get a little bit close to a car in front so that's an option you can can turn on and off um within the menu just to make it that little bit more you know I guess a little bit more intuitive every time if you turn the car off, um, you know, in between sessions at a track day and then you're going back out onto the track, you don't want to have to dive through the menus to turn that off. You can just set it that every time you hit that one button, it does, you know, it sets the car up for, for track usage. Um, for a lot of people out there, they will also like that the there is a dedicated rev matching button. So um, even it doesn't matter what drive mode you're in, you can select the rev matching mode. And um, so as you're going down the gears, it will automatically put the engine at the perfect rev. So it's nice and smooth. And um, I've heard good things about that, people that have used it. Yeah. So I'm one of those people that really love it because I can kind of heel and toe, but even when you're driving around every now and again, I just love the sound that it creates out of the back. You know, the exhaust is really, it's top notch. And, um, but I don't want to have to heel and toe that all the time. And, and even when you are on the track, unless you're, unless you're just, you know, super slick and, you know, you've been doing that for all your life, you know, it isn't the easiest thing to do. Um, doesn't matter what car you're driving. And so having that, feature built in and having it as something you can disable you know just by hitting a button on the wheel is fantastic for you know kind of caters to both types of drivers out there which is i think is really clever um the seats hold you in well it's nice and uh nice and comfortable the electric seats in the luxury model obviously a great bonus you do have the memory options as well so if you do have a couple of people that drive you just hit one button and it adjusts the mirrors and the seat uh, yeah it's always handy for that sort of stuff yeah certainly is um but yeah, apart from that, like you know, I think it's it, the fastback 
is is brilliant in its own way. The boot is huge. Um, it is much bigger than um, some of the SUVs that I've been driving recently. Um, even the uh, the 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 Forester um, that I had the week before. The the Fastback has actually got a bigger boot, um, and it's deeper as well. What so than the Forester? Yeah. Um, Interesting. So it's, it's it's massive, and. That is because you do sacrifice, obviously, a spare wheel or anything like that. Um, yeah. But obviously, you know, there is a support a support beam that goes across to, to stiffen the chassis um, behind those seats. But the thing is, is that it's kind of designed in the way, and I don't have enough. The only wheels, spare wheels that I've got are 22-inch uh, Porsche Cayenne wheels um, yeah. off a of turbo. And um, so it's kind of a bit of defeated purpose trying to see how many I can fit in the boot there because it's not really representative of what you'd be carrying if you're going <laughs> to a track day. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I'd, I'd, I'd hazard a guess, and you should be able to carry a set, even if you fold those rear seats down, very easily carry us an extra set of... Of, um, of wheels and, and tires with you. Yeah, so uh, for looking at the specs, the Fastback's 436 litre versus the 381 on the hatchback. Yeah. Um, and the with seats down, um, it's 1287 versus 1337. Yeah, so it's, it's, quite, um, it's quite good. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, a lot of people probably... Not everyone is, you know, happy with the with the manual only option at the moment. But even saying that, with you know, looking um, with some of the figures that I've seen floating around at the moment, you know, it is still. I think it's like one of the it's top two selling best uh, hot hatches at the moment, and that's up against you know things like the Golf and as well. And so it's mightily impressive um, in terms of the competition that it has that it's actually able to, you know, to put up a fight. Against those, uh, you know, against those sorts of competitors with yeah. only one transmission option. So, yeah, it's it's great, awesome, awesome value for money. I think um, at that, you know, that fifty thousand, fifty five thousand dollar mark, um, and I'm I'm really looking forward to to the update that's coming. We don't have set information yet, and there's not. We have seen um, the. I guess sort of like the the suspension tuning models and things like that here um, down in, in New South Wales floating mm-hmm. around. Um, but so I, I'd hazard a guess that they're not too far away. But um, in terms of styling updates, I think it's probably going to be quite minor and it's just going to be a, a, a nice little life cycle update to, to freshen up the look and um, add that dual clutch transmission that we should have got, you know, at the end of last year. Um, but yeah, I, I love it. I've got it for another week. Um, so I'm super happy about that. Uh, fuel economy is about that 11 liters, but truth be told, I've been driving in an end mode everywhere. Um, I couldn't care about the eco, normal or sport driving modes because I figured if you're driving a car like this, you know, this is the way that you're going to want to drive it. Um, and uh, But even with that in mind, I think 11 litres is, is perfectly fine for, you know, being a bit of a, you know, hooligan in it. But, yeah, so that's that's been that one. Um, I do also pick up... Uh, What's next? I can't remember. Let me double check the uh, 
the calendar. So we do have two cars in the garage this week. Um, it will be the Subaru Impreza uh, two-liter S hatch. Ah, oh, nice. So, um, which is good because it, uh, a couple of people um, have got a number of things on, so it's actually quite handy that we've got a few cars. Mm. Um, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, we've got a couple of long drives going up to the to the Sunshine Coast as well, so it'll be good to yep. see how both of um, both of those go. Uh, but the weather up here has been perfect. So windows down, listening to the sound coming out of the back of that i30N has um, has been fantastic, and uh, I think we we should be in for another good weekend. Uh, a good week of weather as well. So, um, yeah, looking looking forward to this week. Nice. But uh, should we should we jump in a little bit of news? Yes. All right. Well, it seems like Audi have, you know, for, for better or worse, have been releasing a car almost every week. Uh, we had every, every RS model that you could think of release um, previously, and now the latest one, they're stepping back. Obviously, they've done the RS, now they're coming into the S territory, and, um, and they're starting with the big bad one at the S8. Um, it's a... Oh, it's a I feel like we just don't see enough of these on the road either, do you? Um, no. Job, but so this this sort of like the superb luxury flagship starts at two hundred and sixty thousand, um, but it's going to carry all of the all of the the features that you probably expect from a you know a, the top level Audi, um, as well as the the performance uh, to boot. So you've got a zero to hundred. Oh, it's so. Let, let's start off with the engine features. So it's a four liter TFSI V8 engine. So it's got two twin scroll turbochargers um, with 420 kilowatts of uh, power and 800 new meters of torque. And um, so your zero to hundred is going to be 3.8 seconds. So that's, that's awesome for a car that size. Um, and it is, for anybody who's planning on taking this to a track, I don't know if there'll be very many, um, but the top speed is limited to 250 kilometers per <laughs> hour. But um, but look, oh, it's just it's amazing how they've been able to get you know these super large saloon cars to be not just so refined and so planted on the ground, but just so fast at the same time. Yeah, it's unbelievable, and it they look so good as well. Absolutely. Um, so when I'm just trying to have a look at when this is going to be available. Uh, so they're saying available from Audi dealerships from October, so not too far. No. Um, but if you're really keen and uh, you don't care about what price you're paying, um, you can order through the new Audi online purchase platform, which is just uh, audi.com.au. Um, so I assume that's probably going to be like most uh, of the other online platforms that we've seen where you pick your car, you do the spec, and then you choose which dealer you want to, to take delivery from, pay the deposit, and then the dealer will sort of handle the rest of the transaction. Um, so particularly if you're not too keen on on heading out to a dealer or if you just don't want to deal with salespeople, it's probably a, probably not a bad option and, or it's a, a nice-to-have option anyway uh, if you're wanting to, to buy one of these bad boys. You know, I have fond memories of having a ride in one of those years and years ago at a motor drive day in one of the early generations, one of the same one I think that was in Ronan that okay. from uh, from from many years ago. And yeah, they're just pretty it was pretty cool. I did a very early gen Audi drive day and uh, then had a hot lap in one of these and yeah, it was yeah. Uh, pretty cool. So um yeah, they're just they just ooze presence on the road and um are just 
so awesome that TFSI engine that um, Audi run, particularly the the the, the V8, um, is just awesome. I just love the sound of any of the Audi stuff, and um, yeah, this thing is just cool. You know, two hundred and sixty grand. It's it's not cheap money, but yeah. it's the uh, ultimate of uh, as I said, it's the luxury flagship. It just oozes luxury, and um, you know, it's just it's just an awesome bit of. Uh, construction from Audi. I think it's pretty interesting. So a lot of people, even you know, people like my grandparents own have have moved from cars to SUVs to because they're a little bit easier to get in and out of. And um, I think Audi have been pretty clever in using. So they've got a feature in here um, that probably you know keeps that in mind of perhaps they have a slightly older clientele buying these you know the A8 and S8 and things like that. And um, so to, to attract them to this car, what they have is, um, and utilizing the S suspension they have, is predictive active suspension. So when the, hand, the door handle is opened, um, the suspension lifts by 50 millimeters. Um, when it, so it means that you just have that, it's a little bit easier to get out of, um, which I think is, is pretty clever. And it's just a way of using the technology they've already got built into the car, but just into in a way that enhances that, you know, that that experience of riding in that car without, you know, without adding too much extra tech into that vehicle. Yeah, exactly. And um, it's kind of like the opposite yeah. of what Range Rover and all those other <laughs> ones do where they sink down, they've got a loading, you know, they've got a loading level. The, yeah. um, the, the saloons now have to raise up to sort of meet in the middle. <laughs> But no, I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, but we go from um, you know the the extreme in terms of the large size car on the road to something that's a little bit more compact. Ash. Yeah, look, I, I drove one of these, um, not this particular special edition, but a an R Bath six nine five, um, probably about four years ago, and boy, did I just love it! Yeah, how um, fun is it, and how cool is it? The sound of it. Yeah, it is. It is completely unique, and if you, and, and you don't see many on the road, um, because the thing is that they aren't they aren't look they aren't cheap, um, and you know it's it's a pretty narrow niche of which you know which these cars sit in. But um, Arbath are announcing that they are bringing the Arbath six nine five seventy. What do you call it? This the seventy degree. Anniversary limited edition. Um, so basically, it's a it's one that pays homage to their racing roots. Um, oh, it must, be, must be in like seventy years. I assume based on it's a bit of a, a funny way that they do the name, but but anyway, regardless, think of a wild Arvath model and add a bit of a retro um, painting scheme. So like a like a what color is it like a pastel kind of green yeah, white. It's that, um italian style 70s 60s green yeah, yeah. so if you think back yeah. to you know classic italian sports cars of that era and you think of that kind of off green uh it kind of contrasted wheel guards and uh, yeah kind of like a mini-esque um checkerboard roof as well and i think it really really works i think it looks Oh yeah, cool. The two tone on it is brilliant, and it's really quite, quite nice with the way that it's done. The line runs through the front splitter, then all the yeah. way around over the wheel arches, down the the side 
splitters and then over the the rear wheel arches and but the really cool thing is that rear spoil ash that um yeah. looks to flick up under certain conditions and it has the the massive abath name across the top so yeah I, th- I think it's quite cool and i think it's um this is this is the thing that Arbath have always done though they've done a great job of their um their limited decision limited edition cars um you know they've done a hermes special edition a ferrari uh limited edition obviously there's a parent company relationship with ferrari um and a lot of people like to laugh at that but when i saw one up close i was actually quite blown away at the attention to detail given to each of these special editions um there is a lot of care and a lot of um a lot of thought put behind each one even uh there was a more extreme i can't remember the name of the special edition but it basically had the uh the racing transmission um and just it is you know so so this special edition starts from forty five forty five thousand dollars um which for a you know a, a compact car is a lot of money um but you're talking about a car that has a 1.4 liter turbo um 180 horsepower 250 new meters torque and just 3000 rpm so it's really early um and so it's just going to be a little rock. It's going to sound great because some of these highlights of this particular model are it's a Monza exhaust. Um, they have that Monza green livery, which they're calling that that paint um, job. Which which is appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> I um, think 1958, the Monza 1958. So I was a little bit off. I said 60s and 70s, mm. kind of late 50s. Yeah, but it's, you know, it, ex- exclusive sub-belt tricolor seats um yeah I, I think this is cool i'd love to see one in person um they don't say how many are coming to australia there are oh, 40 sorry 40 special edition arbath models globally there are 1949 um but yeah look it's got Automatic climate control, LED fog lights, Xenon headlights, automatic headlamps, rain-sensitive wipers, CarPlay, Android Auto. So you kind of got like most of your little comfort features as well. So if you just want to commute down to the shops and back, <laughs> this is the car to do it. Um, but when you, but when thinking about it, it's actually even at this price, it's pretty competitive with a with a like a, even a Mini Cooper S. Um, and you're going to see a lot less of these on the road compared to uh, a Cooper S. Yeah, and they're very they're very different. I mean, the the market for them, I suppose, is kind of a little bit unique in terms of you know I know people that have had Ferraris and stuff like that. The the owner I know that had a um, previous gen. I'm pretty sure it was a 695. Um, he'd had Ferraris and stuff, or still had actually. Um, and this was his runabout. This was his yeah. this was his uh, sort of weekend fun car when he didn't want to take the Ferrari out. And then he had a daily driver, you know, mm. just but he loved this thing and he got to a point where he thought, well, you know, I'm not using it as much. Maybe I'll um I'll sell it and uh, put the money into to something else. But how good's the price, Ash? 44 grand. Yeah, and compared to other special edition prices that they've had in the past, which are sixty, seventy thousand dollars sometimes, I think you know this is kind of a bargain yeah. in its own way. Um, and like I said, compared to yeah, it's a slightly different market, but the, it's only inevitable that people compare it against things like the Mini because historically, you know, they've kind of that that Arbath and the Mini have really you know 
share that same kind of iconic history. Um, but the thing is as well is that you get the choice of a manual or a dual logic transmission um, for the same money. So it's really just down to what your personal preference is as well. Um, but yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge fan. Yeah, it's pretty I, cool. I quite like it a lot. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> oh, man, good photos. Well, I'd love to find it where those 40 are going because they don't yeah. say that they've been sold out so i'm sure that they'll no they'll obviously they'll obviously expect around. they'll actually obviously offer them off to um to dealers and and those that yeah. want to actually you're interested in taking them but i reckon the split will be interesting i think probably melbourne and sydney will probably take the majority of them through yeah. the dealers down here but yeah. um i wouldn't be surprised that it gets spread out but yeah i think 40 of them um and i think you know that the kind of thing is i think it's it's rare but i think people will still want to drive it so mm. it's a cool little bit of i like it i like it i'm not yeah yeah i, I like it it's a good uh good little special edition yeah but look let's jump back to uh still uh, can i can i say if in, in in quotes sporty um <laughs> lines uh the ford just another kind of different kind of sport yeah that's right um this is more like uh you could hook the uh, put put the uh, R bath in the rear tray basically um, yeah. and take it with you like a you know like a little Tonka truck or something. Um, but so Ford Performance Ranger Raptor, the Wild Track and the Wild Track X um, have been updated, job. Yeah, so they've done uh, they've done an update, and just having a flick through it, the first thing that really jumps out to me that you know, obviously there's been a few changes, and obviously one of the cool things is obviously Ford Pass Connect, which is what Ford are pushing now with their connectivity through the the system. Um, but what I just saw was that uh, they're going to have for the Wild Track X remote controlled power roller shutter. Now that's cool. Um, the ability to have the roller shutter being electric on the back trays of the the Ute, having driven one of these wild tracks and um forward thought ahead with the with the roller and put a rope inside so that you know short people like you and me ash you know are not as tall as like mickey is can actually not have to reach climb into the tray to grab it to pull it out it stays so that you can do it but having this electronically and having it um you know being able to remote control the shutter on the back to roll open and close i think is is pretty cool so um so that's going to be on the Wild Track X. It'll also have bi LED, uh, high performance headlights, um, and obviously its first ever pearlescent premium exterior color as well. So um, you know these these not just your standard Ute, but these modified, more higher end Ute is just they're everywhere these days. I see them, you know, in my my walk of a morning these days. I see more and more of them on building sites and stuff like that. They're becoming more and more popular, and and so people want to be able to have that little bit more of a standout than just a standard Raptor, a Ranger. So you know, having this ability to have um, um, you know the standout and these other things is is, is pretty is pretty cool. Mm. And I will just clarify: I am six one, so still definitely not as tall as uh, as tall, tall as Mickey. But... Well, then I'm definitely the shortest of the lot. <laughs> um, but still, some of these trucks I still have a terrible time reaching into the back, particularly if something slides towards that back window, um, or even just trying to reach you know covers that that do 
rollback. So having a motorized one is also fantastic. And it just makes it a lot easier if you are by yourself um, to, to hook up a cover. Because um, sometimes I've had a couple in the past, which are basically, you know, the elastics and, and all that kind of thing and can be quite a pain um, to, to put over. So I think that's that's quite cool. And they do add those safety features, which are really handy. It does have five-star cap. It does have a five-year unlimited warranty, um, unlimited kilometer warranty, I should say. So that I think, and we'll start to see more of that now. I think the the race for warranty coverage and, and length and all that kind of thing is really um, heated up. And it's still not as good as some of the other seven-year unlimited warranties, um, but it's certainly much better than you know what we're used to which which used to be you know like a three-year warranty or even mm. bmw for a long time was only a two-year warranty um before they upped it to a three-year yeah um but how good are the options that come on the world the range of wild track access six grand's worth of items and only cost you two grand so you get yeah. unique 18 inch wheels with a thir- plus 35 offset in matte black which is a smart move for yeah for, for work trucks uh fender flares finished in black to emphasize the new alloys and give wild track and uh, you know it's different presence like i said standing out on the building site yeah. black nudge bar complete with led light bar hello have they been uh, mm-hmm. paying attention to to toyota and what they've been doing with hilux yeah. Yeah. smart move um and then a pillar mounted snorkel um again we've seen that from what toyota have been doing um so this is great this competition between these brands and and everyone having this idea of being able to do this sort of stuff is great um the rack is, is this, now is this being built from the factory overseas or is are they building you know are there's they, no are they adapting comment these on it like whether or not it's done at a at a level but i don't think Ford would really have anywhere to do it, so I'm guessing it it would have to be a um, a factory option. Factory, yeah, yeah, I'm guessing. I, I, I guess mean, it's looking at some of those options. They're great and they're, and they're excellent for the consumer. But the part of me in the back of my mind is going, oh, I feel for the um, some of the local guys who produce a lot of the you know, a lot of those aftermarket features, um, which get a lot of business um, from you know, Ranger and Hilux owners and things like that. And, you know, on one side, the the Toyota guys, at least they are adapting and building that model variant locally. Um, it doesn't say that they're using all local parts, of course, but, you know, at least they're, they're hiring people to, to adapt them. Um, so I wonder how I wonder how some of these local guys are feeling about how, you know, a lot of these models which um, tend to have the owners spend a little bit more money on top to to make them, you know, um, adapted to exactly their use case. I see a lot of them getting around with even bigger racks on the back um, to adapt for uh, whether it's big ladders or work boxes or anything like that. Yeah, there's a cool... To, to camping gear and recovery gear and all that kind of thing. There's a cool rack that I saw advertised in something I was reading yesterday, which is a rack that sits above the roller on the tray of a yeah. Ranger um, yeah. that gives you the ability to add stuff on top but still be able to open and close the tray and, and all that but just have that extra set of yeah. height. So 
Um, but I think, cool. I think it's great that this comes from in terms of uh, from the factory on the on the flip side of of warranty. Again, mm. having all those things built in um, when you buy it from the dealer is a and, and and even it's not a dealer fitted thing where they built their own special edition, but it's actually a factory done thing or you know a factory approved thing. Um, and the- Bedliner on the Raptor is really cool as well. The ability yeah. for them to do that, I think that's um, that's a pretty cool idea to to yeah. offer that so that for those that are using it, you know, to have to cart stuff around and whatever else, that yeah. you can put that um, put stuff in the tray and know that with the bedliner being protected, it'll help, you know keep it uh, you know more not yeah. basically tear it up and and, yeah. and rip it up. So. Yeah, and look, it's it's not cheap. the The Raptor is, you know, seventy seven thousand before on road. Um, if you want Prestige Paint, it's six hundred fifty. If you want a Ranger Raptor decal pack, so essentially stickers, at uh, seven hundred and fifty dollars, which is feels kind of expensive. But that that. Um, um, that tough bed spray in bedline is three hundred bucks. How cheap yeah. is that? That's like which, my, which is kind of weird. You, it's a no brainer. You know, that's you know that's clever. Um, but you know, part of me in the back of my mind going, "Sure, I would have expected those prices to be flipped." You know? <laughs> um, but I think the you know things like that spray and bedline are going to be a a no brainer option. Um, yeah. I don't know too many people who go out and buy a a Ute that you know which doesn't have them which doesn't have a bedliner and just live with that because usually the first item you put into the back of that tray, you've got a nice big deep scratch into the paint and you'll never get it back again. So the bedliner is just a no brainer um, to, to protect that because when you are loading stuff in and out, whether it is for camping, um, fishing or work, it's usually going to be metal hard or you're going to be dragging it in and out. Um, on the ground, so yeah, the bedliner makes uh, makes perfect sense. But you can see how this sporty Ute market has really warmed up in terms of the competition, not just from you know, not just between Ford and uh, uh, Ford and Toyota, but also Isuzu. You know, we've discussed it before, wanting to to get into that space as well. Um, we're going to see more and more Mitsubishi options as well so everyone's really aiming that they need almost like a halo model for their utes which is you know go back a little while and you go gee that'd be a bit weird with exception to you know the holden and uh ford ford utes i guess you know with the with the fpv and hsv models so yeah it's uh i don't know it's cool to see i I love seeing these things but yeah just bring the f-150 out here please thank you uh, but look, you know we've we've seen uh, the the Kona come around. They've they've made you know they've celebrated sales milestones and everything like that. But they're now teasing that there's going to be some new um, updates uh, in terms of that that Kona. We, we have seen um, an N sort of version of one being tested and it was under camo so we couldn't really see but I think it's do you think uh, based on these teaser little images of the Kona and Kona N line um, that we were looking at this updated model with the N bits on it? Yeah, look, it's uh, like I'm very keen, excited to see it. I think it'll be similar to what we've just seen with the, the i30 N line um, yeah. sedan as well. Uh, I think it's interesting 
interesting to see that they're doing it. Um, front skip plate's an interesting, you know, option uh, that they're doing with it. Um, but yeah, it's it looks, you know, they're 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 teaser images, so they're it's hard to really get too much an idea. But it looks like it's a very different um, change, but it's a very more an aggressive look over the previous gen. It, um, it is in line with that um, that i30 sedan yeah um, in a way very similar um but that head-on shot i would just jump on there is a blue uh i30 uh sorry kona shot and it looks a little bit like a, a lamborghini urus the, yeah. the lamborghini suv <laughs> there's a bit of there's a little bit of sort of peugeot feel to it as well in that blue yeah. image as well mm. um but yeah look it's interesting to see you know they, they, they've been teasing us with this sort of stuff for oh Excuse me, a while with with some of the stuff, but the the new LEDs in in the top of the 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 bumper under around the bonnet area look really good, and the the three um, bottom DRLs look you know look really nice. And mm. uh, yeah, I'm keen to see these. I, I really you know I like the idea that they're going to do a Kona N line, but I want to see a Kona N. Yeah, you know, they are um, saying uh, more design details will be uh, revealed in the coming weeks. So it is just, um, you know, that they haven't actually given us much information here. They do say that there will be a wider stance um, for this. And so part of me, like what you just said, Joel, um, I'm, I'm hopeful that there will be not just an N-line, but a Kona N, even if it is the electric version. I'd love, imagine that. You know, we've spoken about it a little yeah. while. Put some performance tires on, yeah. tweak it just that little bit more, and um, imagine the performance we could get out of uh, something like that yeah. as a as an end vehicle to to really segue into, you know, that that offshoot brand um, of the uh, Ionic brand, which they're you know which will be coming soon. Mm. So yeah, I'd, uh, yeah, I'm excited. It, it's yeah. I, I never was really you know a big fan of the Kona prior to driving the Kona Electric and I've only ever driven driven the, the Kona Electric. I haven't actually driven any of the, the standard models. So I've kind of been spoiled in terms of only seeing experiencing the Highlander version as well. Yeah. Um, so that's got all of the all of the tech and everything that's possibly optioned on it. So I've kind of been spoiled in that way. But I've actually grown to really like it. Mm. Um, not only because it's one of the best um, electric vehicles you can currently buy and realistically own um but also because you know the proportions are good it actually doesn't look too bad um and yeah with with a couple of styling updates it can can look way more sporty and that's what they're doing yeah i i've loved it uh, the the black wheel guards and stuff on the kona i've always thought of have been really cool and i really yeah. like the the idea of um uh of the look of it you know the the particularly the highlander is is definitely one of the nicest looking yeah. things um in terms of so yeah going an inline version i think is going to be really cool um but yeah i'm looking forward to seeing the rest of the teasers yeah and in terms of uh so going from just the tease to showing off some some real updates toyota have done a couple of uh updates to a couple of popular vehicles so one being the RAV4, so they updated some premium features on the standard, um, you know, across 
different grades, so they're adding a few more features. Um, the CHR is getting um, some some more safety upgrades, including the intersection driver assistant, and um, the Land Cruiser 70 series. Um, they're, they're adding sat, sat nav and uh, a new multimedia screen. So for a car that hasn't seen an update or hasn't seen a design <laughs> update for a long time. Um, they're keeping that LC70 alive uh, well and truly by adding these uh, bits and pieces in. Yeah, and that's the thing is the the LC70, when this, this current gem was released, it was a big step up in terms of the safety that they're putting. Yeah. The fact that they're adding more to it all the time just mm-hmm. makes it more and more of an impression you know, impressive choice for, for what it is. I had a friend bought one of the wagons not that long ago and he absolutely loves it, thinks it's awesome. Um, yeah. You know, I've driven the range, all the full range and absolutely love, you know, all of them uh, in terms of what they offer. But um, offering these extra, you know, safety options uh, that they're doing, you know, now that you can get the diff locks in the GX and also in the Workmate as well, the Workmate is the entry point into the range. Mm. It just makes that so much more appealing. So, you know, if you want to farm you, but you want still want to be able to drive to the shops and whatever else when you live in a rural area and you want the safety and stuff, the workmate is great uh, for for what it'll what it'll do. Um, and then obviously what what else they've done with the updates to like you said to the CHR and then obviously the RAV as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the panoramic roof is pretty cool. The fact that you can get that in the edge now um, is pretty awesome. Um, you know, that is such a good spec car, that the edge, because the ability to, to do the off-road thing with it as well. Um, and then, obviously, they've also added a bit more um, uh, sort of uh, mod cons, I suppose you could say, with the yeah. um, LC as well, adding in the the USB ports and a smart, large, larger smartphone holder. So good for those of us that run the larger phone, mm-hmm. um, and then obviously you know cup holders and stuff like that. So yeah, it's all the little little things that all add up. The the multimedia in the LC as well. Um, you know, it's it's good to see that they're yeah. constantly trying to make the most of these things. You know, uh, of what they're doing. And obviously these things that come through just uh, for for whatever reason where it's not really a formal life cycle update. It is just a, almost a Tesla-esque of, hey, we're just going to add these in now. Um, so it will be interesting. Um, I will. I do have a CHR Cobar um, hybrid nice. booked in for a little bit. So it'll be yep. interesting to see if that is the updated one because I think it is currently in like doing the rounds on the fleet. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder if that is the updated one, so I'll be able to test out some of these inclusions. Um, yeah, and the fact that nice. the, you to see what the hybrid's like and what kind of economy you yeah. get out of it as well. Absolutely, yeah. So um, because also what they're doing is like equipping new road sign assist features um, that will help reset the vehicle cruise control speed setting based on what that that speed sign is, um, which is really handy, particularly in school zones. Um but yeah, so I think it's it's just nice little, uh, you know, what do they call it? Like quality quality of life updates yeah. um, for it. So yeah, that's uh, they they're not they're not saying when these updates are coming out. So I guess it's one of those things. If you are in the market right now, um, ask the dealer. Does it have these features? Yeah. Um, what's what stock level are they at at the moment in terms of that? Yeah. Because if if I was buying right now um, and I didn't have to buy, you know, say tomorrow, I could wait a little bit. I would get these extra features included because 
these things are practical and are going to make your ownership experience better because actually are you know these are day-to-day things um it isn't just like a an updated exterior it isn't you know a slightly different design look or anything you know these are practical features that are that are handy and it's and it's good to have if you are in the market yeah exactly all right. So what they've also done, um, so they've done some some safety features for those models and some things, but they've also boosted power for the Prado. Yeah. How cool is that? Like that thing's awesome in terms of the power that it already puts out, but the yeah. fact that they've gone and updated it, um, um, and it's, it's not just... You know, it, it's a decent, um, it's 20 kilowatts and 50 newton meters to that 2.8 liter, you know, diesel engine. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that thing, uh, you know, drives well, it pulls well. Um, and, you know, it's still still got reasonable fuel economy as well, at, you know, yeah. eight liters per hundred. Uh, but yeah, the fact that uh, it's, and like you said, Ash, this newly, uh, this new road sign assist um, thing is coming in. I think this is a, this, this is one of those safety things that should be becoming more and more mandatory on more and more vehicles because for you, when you're driving and, and it can be hard because so many areas if there's roadworks or something and, and things change constantly and you can get confused yeah. if you know for example you're watching the traffic and you just happen to miss a, a road safety sign um and you want to go oh did, hang on was that a sign did it has it changed has it gone up has it gone down the fact that you can just check on your dashboard very quickly and say oh yep okay it's a 60 zone right yeah. it, it, it's gone back up from 50 yeah and you're but not you relying mean, on outdated map data exactly because that's that's what even you know driving some cars right now um, which don't have this feature and they haven't had their map, you know, it's a slightly older, you know, it's a model longer into its uh, life cycle update. Um, or sorry, it's it's older in terms of its, its model cycle. Um, you know, the maps are a year or so old or even older. And, um, you know, a road, I, I have a, a road near me that has dropped from 80 down to 70. And... Still, a lot of people do eighty along there, but if you don't want to get a speeding ticket, you know, it's handy to know that it's dropped down to to seventy. And if you have it, if you have a car that hasn't been updated recently, um, or you don't use Google Maps or any, you know any of those apps that, through your phone, um, you're going to get caught out because if if you're unsure of the speed limit, you're going to look down at your dash or you know onto the screen. It's going to say it's eighty. Um, so having the speed sign recognition, it's getting better and better. Um, some are getting a little bit smarter too in terms of understanding when or isn't a school zone as well. Um, so they use some of the nav information to, to help with that, which is really handy. Um, but yeah, it is a super valuable feature if, you, if you're aware of it, um, which sometimes, you know, you, you get shown it once when you take delivery of the car, but then you don't notice it ever again. And you know, you forget that it's there and you don't realize. Um, so, so it's good to, you know, learn those features and be aware of it because it is, again, a handy one. But I do like with these um, these updates, so they, they have upped the power, but they've also included or improved some of the features on it. So um, they've now made a third row of seats optional on the interior level GX. It used to only um, be available as a standard thing on the GXL and up. Um, and you can choose on the GXL and above, so the GXL, the VX, and the Kakadu, you can choose to whether have the spare wheel mounted on the tailgate, which has always kind of been the option except for a couple of special editions, um, or you can actually choose to have it mounted um, 
under the vehicle where and where it replaces the sub tank, which is kind of like the American variant for that. Um, so depending on what configuration you want or what's important to you, um, yeah, you have that option now, as well as additional equipment on the GXL, um, which I think is pretty significant. So you get uh, side steps, roof rails, three zone climate control, by LED headlamps, LED fog lamps, and daytime running lamps, as well as rear parking sensors. So that's a fairly substantial addition of uh, standard equipment on that second uh, level model. And you can have an option pack that, you know, if if nicer, you know, this is a sort of the materialistic one. So you get leather accented, uh, ventilated, heated and powered front seats and heated second row seats, um, which those options are now standard on the VX. The higher grade um, also gets fitted 18-inch alloy wheels, 14-speaker, JBL premium sound, digital radio, dust sensing uh, headlamps, panoramic multi-terrain monitors, blind spot monitor and rear tra- traffic alert. And bigger screen now too as well on, this, yeah. on the um, infotainment as well. Yeah, it's just a just a bummer that some of those things that I did mention that are on the VX as standard isn't standard across the islands because it is kind of what you'd expect across other um, other vehicles that compete against it or even just cars in general that are much cheaper than a Prado. Um, but, but it's but Toyota. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right. Really, when you look at it, you know, but Toyota, you know, you know that it's something that's going to last you forever. Um, it's gonna it's gonna keep going. You know, the backup and support of their network in terms of their dealerships and yeah. whatever else. So you know, you you pay for you might pay a premium for whatever it is, but what you get for it at the end of the day, you know. Yeah. Um, my father-in-law has a Hilux, and he I recommended you look at a couple of options, and he drove the Hilux, and that's a few years old now but he loves it and you know he constantly reminds me that that you know it was because of his recommendation that he bought the Hilux and mm-hmm. you know they've done a fair few k's and it's been driven um up and down the coast and of uh, of australia and it's done you know it's, it's never it's never had a problem it's just you know it just keeps going and he just knows that every time he walks out to start it'll start mm-hmm. you know it's yeah. just one of those things is um you can just rely on a Toyota to to get you where you need to go. And one thing I did notice with that bigger screen, you do have CarPlay and Android Auto. So yeah, um, for They're some particular through through. more of their models now. Yeah. Um, you know they've been slowly trying to upgrade it across the board. So it's good to see that more of them are, are trickling down. And it's more it's good to see that more of the brands now are. You know, realizing that and uh, making the most of putting that into more of their models because you know CarPlay and um, AEB, I think, are probably you know two you know one's a safety and one's a sort of a, a personal choice, but they're just two things that really every car should should really have these yeah. days because um, you know it it they're just one of those things that you 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 want you want to have in a car to to know that it'll just it'll it's got everything you want in it. Absolutely. Um, they don't. They don't say uh, again timing uh, for these models. So if you are in the market, speak to your dealer, find out if it has the more power and the extra features. Um, easiest way to tell uh, yourself if you're looking at a car: does it have an eight-inch or a nine-inch screen? That's probably going to be the easiest way to tell um, for most people. And does it have Apple CarPlay? Um, well, it could ask also those be- questions, and you'll know exactly uh, what what one <laughs> you're looking at. 
I think the other fact is, Ash, now that what it is at the time of the year, it could even be that it's a 2021 model. Yeah. I think that might be the other An thing. MY21. Yeah. Could but be sometimes, that. you know, with dealers, they've got old stock they want to clear, so it's best to always be perfectly clear about which one, particularly they might offer a bit of a discount on one over the other. So, um, yeah, I would, you know, it's always just, just ask the questions and find out and, uh, yeah, go from there. But yeah, well, look, let's let's have a bit of fun. Um, last week with uh, Bring a Trailer, you you had you had a few cars to choose from. Um, yeah, I can't, so... I can't pick one on Bring a Trailer. Like you said, like you and, you and I were saying, Ash, before we started, every week it gets harder and harder to pick just one. So I pick a multiple, and this week's no exception. I've got one, two, three. I've got seven tabs open at the moment. So. <laughs> we'll pick three, and we'll go from there, and I'll do the same because I've got one, two, three, four, five. Yeah, I've got eight tabs open. So if we pick three each, um, I think we'll, we'll we'll be able to talk about some good ones. Um, but let's just run through from last week. So last week I picked a Mercedes-Benz. It's a 1991 300GD, but it was basically converted into a pop-up camper. It was extremely cool. I loved it. Yeah. And um, somebody's going to be very happy with this because the winning bid was only $25,750, um, which to me feels like a bargain. For, the, for a car like that um but certainly not not as crazy as some of the cars that you had um which i can't believe so the first one the the 2016 janetta g57 g57 race car which was a which is essentially an lmp3 um prototype race car modified a little bit um it had a high bid of one hundred and thirty four thousand dollars, but unfortunately re the reserve wasn't met so who knows how much they want uh want for that the is 300 sports cross which is essentially the lexus um three series equivalent wagon um had a winning bid of just thirteen thousand dollars which probably about right for a 2004 car but um you know, still, it's a little bit different. Again, if it was thirteen thousand dollars here in Australia, that would be a steal. Um, the another one, the nineteen seventy eight Ford Mustang Two King Cobra five speed, sold for just eighteen thousand two hundred fifty dollars. Um, the nineteen seventy six Chevrolet Vega Camback sold for just ten grand. That's a bargain. <laughs> yeah, and um, the three hundred kilometer nineteen ninety BMW Z one reserve wasn't met. And it was at 101000 So, gee, that's, yeah. a, that's a lot of money for that. I remember, yeah. I can't remember if I mentioned it last week, but I remember the Z1 that was for sale uh, here in Australia a number of years ago. Um, in that same red, had a few few more kilometres, but it was about $30,000. Um, so imagine imagine the money you'd be sitting on if you bought that one, uh, mm. as long as you kept it in okay. Exactly. Uh, Okay, thing, but that one that your your key pick um, from last week, that Viper, that first generation Viper, um, sold for twenty nine thousand four hundred fifty dollars. I said that I reckon thirty to thirty five, yeah. and it went it went under thirty. So shows what the market's like at the moment in terms of mm. where that stuff is at. But they have not changed in probably the last two years. The market for those cars is around that money. Yeah. So it's interesting to see that it's not changing. It, 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 if it if this is true and it is, it has dropped a little bit and maybe dropped under that five grand market, or it might have just been this car. But yeah, they, they've they've held that price level. So it's a it's a good 
good kept secret and hopefully too many, not too many people will buy them. But <laughs> one of those things that, you know, uh, as I was saying to a future, to a mate tonight, that's one of those cars that I would buy if I won Tatsalotto tomorrow and pay whatever it costs to, to bring it out and, and yeah. if need be convert it, convert it. But yeah, it's just, uh, but yeah, I was surprised when I looked at the, looked at that. Um, mm. But yeah, that it went for so little. Yeah, no. So that's uh, yeah, it's an interesting uh, thing. Um, yeah, some of some of these ones that you you feel like should be worth more or, or whatever, and yeah, no, it's um. But uh, you know, at the end of the day, we can't have them. <laughs> um, so it's uh, we can only uh, just uh, dream and look at them through the internet. But yeah. uh, so so what are the, what are the two runners up, and what's the key? What's I'm letting you go. This week, oh, okay. I went first last week and stole half your card. Okay. So I'm going to let you All go right. this week. Okay, so my f- first, I'm going to say first runner-up um, is a is a motorcycle. It's a 1945 Indian Chief. It's a, got a white body, um, tan leather seat, and black everything else, and it just looks amazing. Um, it's got 66 miles shown. It was restored in 2014. Um, it's a 74 cubic inch flathead, flathead V-twin, three-speed hand-shifted transmission. Um, yeah, looks looks great. It looks, you know, it, it suits the period, even though it was fairly recent when it was uh, was modified um, and restored. But yeah, it it looks great. Um, it'd be something that I'd love to have in a, you know, in, in, if I had a big house, a, a bar, you know, it was just one that was sort of on, on display that that's kind of the vibe that I have for, for this one, but it's all, it's got all of its documentation. Um, the video shows it starts up rides, everything like that. And, um, currently bids at $8,000. Yeah. Nice. Um, but so let me, uh, let me try and find the link. Where did it go? All right. So this one's a little bit of an interesting one. So it's an, it's, it was owned by Steve McQueen. Ooh, it's a nice. 1952 Chevrolet 3800 pickup with a camper <laughs> on the back. This was in the media during the week. <laughs> yeah. So, and it's got a Husqvarna CR250 as well. That matches one of the, um, movies that he was in on any Sunday. Um, it just, oh, it, it's one that you, it should kind of belong in a museum that you shouldn't be going out and uh, doing it. There is scratch in the back. Steve McQueen was here. Um, <laughs> you know, it's got a certificate of authenticity. Um, and at the moment, the current bid, it ends in six days. So still got a long while to go, but it's currently at $36,750. Oh, $36, um, and it looks to be fairly neat and tidy. Um, it's got a, a little bit of an interesting history. It was sold when uh, Steve McQueen died um, as part of the estate sale. And then it was held on, I think it was about 26 years by the dealer that ended up buying it. And then it went into to private hands. Um, so, yeah, it's a, I think it looks great. It's really cool. Cool bit of history. It's got the matching McQueen um, number plate with it. So, yeah. And it also in the video shows that it works and, and drives as well. So that's um that's pretty cool. But my um I really I really didn't know which one I, I wanted to pick as my key one, because there's also three others. Yeah. Um so I'm gonna I'll mention them, but I won't talk about them. So one is a nineteen sixty Fiat five hundred Jolly. Yeah, nice. Um, 
so it's like a mint green one with, with no roof. It's got like a it's like a golf cart kind of roof. Yeah, not um, so sixteen thousand with sixteen with six days to go. Yeah, the next one is a mid-engined Honda Civic. Oh yeah, I saw that. That's cool. Yeah. That, that again made the rounds during the week. So uh, that reminds me of like the uh, the Renault. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's cool. But I think the one that I'm going to settle on is a 1978 Mini Special Deluxe, um, which has a matching trailer. Oh, cool. Yeah, so it's a uh, it's kind of like that aqua blue. Um, if 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 you're part of B- if you're familiar with BMW, it's kind of like that Laguna Seca blue. Nice. Um, yeah, I think I saw that. Yeah, so it's got, it was refurbished in 2006, 66,000 miles. It's a four-speed manual. Um, it's got front disc brakes, Bilstein uh, suspension. So it's been very nicely done, um, nicely restored. Um, MG Motor. And, yeah, the trailer that matches with it is is really, really cool. Yeah, um, a umbrella on it. Yeah, so I'm I'm a big fan. It would be a nice one, you know, that you'd have in the collection and, and take out on a, you know, to a car show on a Sunday yeah. or something like that. Um, but yeah, the 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 um, yeah, I think it's it's nicely presented, nicely done, and um, yeah, pretty pretty clever. So yeah. it's currently at ten thousand um, dollars and uh, six days to go. Yeah, nice. But what about you? What did you? Uh, so I've got a couple of, um, as I said, there's there was there's some hard choices. I'm going to be like you. I'm going to um, uh, I'm going to mention a couple to start mm-hmm. with. Um, so there was a Chevrolet El Camino, so Chevy's Ute from '87, which was nice. which was nice. Um, and then there was again, you know, you know, I like my Fox body. So there was a 93 um, SSP, which is the uh, Super Pursuit. Um, Huge fan of this car, yeah. Yeah, this, this is a really nice thing. Uh, so this is pretty cool. So nice to see those. Then there's another Mustang, but it's an FR500 RC race car, which was the. Um, Ford Mustang race car they made back in sort of to the mid two thousands. Um, factory built race car. These things are pretty cool. There's one here in Oz that I got. I've seen a guy running it track days, and it's uh, it's pretty impressive. Um, and then the next one I had, which is honourable mention, only because I tweeted it out to someone that had bought one in the past and used it on Top Gear America, one and only Rutledge Wood, um, which was an eighty seven Ford Thunderbird Turbo Coupe. This thing's in much bit better nick than that Rutledge bought um as part of a, a moonshine um adventure that they had on the third episode of the first season of top gear america and he actually mm. replied back and, and said thanks for sending it to me i <laughs> thought it was cool so uh, i kind of had to mention that but my third pick um was a twelve thousand mile 88 jeep grand wagoneer Mm. Uh, Wagoneers are uh, in the media at the moment because Jeep are going to bring out a, a replacement, which we'll talk about shortly in international yeah. news. But this thing's nice. It's uh, it's a blue with the wood grain two-tone. Um, as I said, it's done 12,000 miles. It's got V8, three-speed auto. Um, it's, it looks in really, really good, Nick. So I've got four days left, and it's at forty-five grand. Um, it's in pretty, pretty good condition. Looks good. So yeah, that was my third. Uh, my second was um, 
I generally like to only really pick American stuff on Bring a Trailer, but yeah. this was such a standard, I had to go for it. It's the <laughs> 9090 Mercedes-Benz 190E 2.5 16 Evolution 2. So mm. it's that 190 um, Merc shape from the 90s that was this awesome, um, I suppose you could call it supercar of the era. Um, it's got a two-and-a-half-litre two Cosworth inline-four um dog leg five-speed manual uh it's a blue black exterior color which is really nice only you really need to sort of kind of see that it um that it's uh that to see it in the sunlight it's in the netherlands um so it's obviously come from obviously from germany into the netherlands uh they only made 500 of these things um it's pretty pretty cool yeah Uh, stunning looking thing um so that was my sort of my second pick but my top pick which was uh it got shared i already knew what this was earlier in the week and it'll probably be a giveaway that those that are probably following me on twitter or had seen uh, that i tweeted to you during the week ash but it's an 86 audi quattro s1 e2 so this guy has built this tribute um audi quattro it's the for if you if I see group group B rallying rallying Audi yellow car, and you and you're a fan, you'll know what it is. This guy has gone to absolute end of the world in terms of making this thing. Um, it's been absolutely built to to immaculate. The interior is stunning. Um, it's got the you know it's got a twenty valve um, uh, inline five, so that that five cylinder engine that they ran in the day. Um, it does have a slightly different gearbox in it, they said, that because the one that they traditionally had, can't you can't get it for it. But yeah. it's had an absolutely unbelievable build. But the, the listing is pretty cool because it actually has um, the videos of it driving, mm-hmm. uh, which is brilliant. So um, I'm going to just quickly try... Yeah, could you hear that, Ash? Yeah. Yeah, it's just yeah. that unique noise of these things that are just absolutely brilliant. So, um, yeah, this is cool. This was an easy pick. <laughs> and I actually still went through the motions this week when we before the show and, and actually yeah. went through and, and picked everything out just to see if there was anything that could beat this. But, yeah, yeah. There, was, there was no way to beat this thing. It's just absolutely awesome. It's got five days left. It's at 42 grand. Um, uh, it was in another group that I belong to that the guys are chatting about during the weekend. They knew exactly the bit of road mm. that it's been driven on and, and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, it's it's pretty pretty cool to, uh, to see this thing. So I'm intrigued to see what it goes for uh, yeah. at, the end of the, at the end of the auction. Yeah, well, and and there's one that I do want to add that because it probably will never come up on Bring a Trailer, um, but it's made the news rounds again, uh, or not again, but for the first time. And um, it's Robert Downey Jr.'s um, 3CS from 1974 Resto Mod. Um, There's put an E34 M5 engine underneath it um but he's completely restored it kind of like that that mustang that he did um a couple of years ago um and so he's had the the firm that rebuilt this did a whole heap of work um so retains 
a lot of the the iconic look, but you know has added carbon fiber um, bits and pieces around the bodywork, HRE wheels, big Brembo brakes, um, fully wrapped, uh, redone the interior, beautiful leather lined um, interior, just looks superb, just unreal um and uh it, the drive put it really well it's a if you're going for the hgtv inspired house flipper look commit to it um <laughs> and they've certainly done that so there's a couple of wood grain bits and pieces but i just love it i i think um a couple of people are a bit upset that uh he's taken a 3cs and and done it but i think it just um you know he'd spent some some a huge chunk of change in doing this um you know including like i said the carbon fiber bits of front air dam rear bumper rocker moldings um and uh, yeah, I think it looks insane. I love it. Big fan. Um, and I'll just drop the link in case you haven't seen it, Joel. And um, it'll be available in the show notes as well if you're listening and want to have a have a peek at it because it just um, yeah looks looks brilliant. And um, yeah, if uh, Robbie Robert Danny Jr. wants to keep doing that with uh, with the Marvel money that he's made, go for it because I'm I'm I for one. Like I'm, I'm a huge fan of these resto mods because there's a few things that, um, you know, like I, I was talking, I, I drove a, a friend of mine. He owns a an E34 and five, and um, we we currently believe it is the highest mileage M5 E34 and five in the world. Um, so it's got over, I think it's about five hundred and sixty thousand kilometers on it, um, on the original motor and everything as well. Um, so it's an insane amount of mileage and um, it's it's it feels fast it, it sounds you know it just sounds brilliant for for what it is um, but there's bits and pieces you know like the, the steering is a little bit loose and there's a couple of things that you have to keep in mind when driving a car that that vintage Um and things, you know, start to, to feel a bit tired. And so I'm a, I'm a huge fan of people who, who want to respect what the car was, but also bring it into, you know, modernize it with a couple of bits and pieces here and there, you know, with a modern brake system, um, upgraded steering and, and all those things that make it drive just as good as it probably, you know, um, as it probably would have felt for the technology of the time when it first originally launched. Um you know, I love that. I love that type of rest- restoration, particularly when it's done what I feel, and a few people probably disagree, but in a fairly tasteful, tasteful manner, like uh, like this has been done. Yeah, it's nice. This thing is um, this thing is all kinds of cool. That yeah, um, yeah. That like, like you just you just appreciate. Like for me, I just have to look at that and appreciate it. Like it's not like um like this isn't done like uh you know like the the tuna car shows where they take a car and you can hardly recognize it's very singerish yeah it is it's just done in a it's it's i feel it's tasteful it's respectful you know he hasn't whacked in a, a, a different motor or anything it's it's an yeah, it's a bmw motor it's a resto um, that's been done well with personalization to it yeah yeah like it's got a it's got a bloody leather wrapped uh, yeti cooler you know, you know, like um, that matches it. So yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge fan. Um, but yeah, let us know. Uh, send us an email shows at dailyautofix.com. Let us let us know what you think of the uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s uh, resto mod. Um, and also, I'll, I'll probably include a link to to his first one that that made it out 
uh, a couple of years ago. I think it went to SEMA actually. Um, that that Mustang that he yeah, it's on a car that would probably would do that. Yeah. Um, but look, let's let's touch on some uh, international news. Uh, so first one is the Ford is adding another Bronco variant already. Yeah, so there's talk, uh, rumor that um, I read during the week that there, it's one of those things that uh, you post something online and it's there forever because someone will grab a screen grab and it'll live. So the rumor is that someone um, had posted in their LinkedIn profile that they part of their role was that they were working on. Um, the Bronco and uh, they were EDS system engineer for the 2021 Bronco and the 2023 Bronco Raptor. Um, mm. This person may not longer may no longer be an EDS systems engineer for Ford, um, but yeah, this was uh, leaked during the week on Bronco6G.com uh, forum, which is uh, the home of most of the Bronco news that's out there. So um, yeah, look, we kind of expected this. People thought that there would probably be a um, a Bronco Raptor version. Um, the guys at Practical Motoring shared this during the week, and um, you know, for them, the title said it all. More upsetting news for Aussie Ford Bronco fans. Yeah, We're already dis- I feel dis- that. disappointed and sad enough that it's not coming here. Yeah. Um, look at this stage. We can only hope, maybe in a future generation, that it might. But yeah, they uh, they shared this that they'd seen the story um, appear, and yeah, it's literally um, it's pretty tragic that. Uh, that it's not coming here, but the fact that there's going to be a Raptor version, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and the other part, spin-off of this during the week, that read that the race version that they took to, to Baja, um, there's talk that they may offer it as a customer car. So if you want to buy it to, to run your own off-road um, trophy truck-style Bronco, uh, that you'll be able to do that as well. So um, <laughs> that's pretty cool. So yeah. take the stuff they've learnt with the, the Ranger Raptor and the F-150 Raptor and putting it into a Bronco uh, is, um, yeah, <laughs> it's cool. I, I I still hold our hope that we we might see a Bronco down here and it's more of a, uh, you know, looking at last time we discussed it, it was 150,000 pre-orders. Um, so I, I hold out hope that maybe the first couple of years they get production, you know, going and they fulfill um you know the the initial rush of orders that typically happen and then you know as that factory stuff opens up we go hey look we're going to add another right hand drive model and ship it to australia and we'll be like thank you very much we'll uh we'll take that yeah i think it's it's all going to come down to it's the same with the mustang you know yeah. in, when that first was released there was talk that well it was it, there was going to be long delays because they had to build change the plant from you know obviously the left hand drive construction to right hand drive of construction so this could be the same thing they know the bronco is going to be popular you know it's going to be hard to get um so maybe the first couple of years once the the demand drops down um we could see that you know it they may end up going down that going down that route so we can only hope hope so yeah uh well it's uh it is what it is. We'll just, we'll just have to wait and wait and see. Uh, but it looks like Honda is, you know, if 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 the if the Type R wasn't hardcore enough for you, um, maybe this new model uh, might be the one for you. We don't know if we'll get it, um, but they're delivering a two hundred ninety four kilowatt um, electrified model with all wheel drive. Um, set, you know, basically taking aim at the WX STI um, 
pretty pretty amazing, pretty aggressive. Yeah, it's um, interesting to say that it's going to be could be electrified roughly 200 and just under 300 kilowatt all drive um yeah interesting the the guys over at cars guide have shared a, a rough render of what it might look like um not a massive change from from what it currently looks like no changes to the front end possibly and and whatever else but you know this sort of hot hatch thing from japan is really starting to grow there's there's the new wx possibly coming um we've already got supra the the end the integra has been popular and then the room is more and more that the the 400z uh, is coming and more of the renders we're seeing so this sort of you know hot hatch from japan mm-hmm. is is always interesting to see what they'll do you know um honda were onto a winner with the type r and it's been a b- big success here in oz mm-hmm. so you know how do you top it what do you do for the next gen yeah it's it's kind of weird, isn't it? Like we are facing more and more strict emissions, um, particularly over in Europe, Australia. We really haven't got to act together. But in terms of Europe and, and particularly California as well, um, emissions are really tightening up. But we're having an explosion of performance models. So whether it's in the pickup truck area, you know, with the Utes and, and the Raptors and that kind of thing, or whether it is in these hot hatches, because yeah, it is pretty crowded already, and we've got more and more coming. So we've got the GR Corolla, perhaps the, the GR Yaris as well. Um, you know, the i30N, the Golf R just to name a few then you throw on you know electrified type r and it, and it does align in this cars guide article they do sort of remind us that um honda does have that promise to electrify all models in europe at least by 2025 and if you know a, a new type r is expected, you know, 2022, 2023, some sort of hybrid system to go with that relaunch model kind of, they say it seems like a given, but I would say it kind of like more makes sense. Um, even at least, you know, 2025, we do get a, a premium model um, with that hybrid drivetrain that gives you a ton of torque early on to, to really help with the acceleration. Um but yeah, like it seems like this is just you know things are getting pretty crazy, and, and we can't forget like even the the Toyota Supra um, as well, right at the top, like you kind of mentioned with the 400Z as well. So it's like at a really exciting time um, in the face of you know tightening down emissions that car brands are able to sort of find ways to to make these exciting models. Yeah, exactly. Um... <laughs> So it's one of those things that, uh, you know, everyone's trying to, it's kind of like, you know, you want to update to beat what was done last time and, and whatever else. And like you said, yeah. talking about emissions and whatever else, you got to stay within it. Um, so, yeah, I'm intrigued to see what happens, um, what they do and, yeah, what, you know, what kind of happens next. But um, we go from talking about one sort of kind of concept or, idea to to another that got spotted overseas ash yeah so this one's it's really really weird so um bmw when they do prototypes they they whack some uh camouflage on them and you know obscure front of the front end and the back end sides and that kind of thing but it seems like bmw has done a bit of a funky thing with this eight series prototype that's been floating around um near the nurburgring and the front end has got uh camo the back end has got camo but 
the weirdest thing is that it's got what looks to be kind of like air vents um, where the rear quarter, you know, where the rear window kind of would go on the side. Um, now, on certain angles, it looks like it really, it's its just a cosmetic thing. It doesn't really do anything else. Um, the back glass of the rear window has got some weird sticker thing to make it look like it's got louvers on it. Um, and it's got quad exhaust. The, the brakes don't really match up with um, anything like the M8 on there. So this is a really weird kind of concept you know, that they've rolled out with. And it could be a masterstroke in terms of um, deceiving everyone, and we're talking about it, wondering what is this mid-engined or <laughs> rear-engined car when it could be just uh, let's just whack that on there to confuse everybody and get them focusing on that when we're really testing something else. Um, but it does raise some questions as to, well, what are they what are they testing? Are they testing a, um, a new hybrid system? Are they testing, um, you know, what, what are they testing? Is this a, an updated i8 and they're just using an 8 series body to, you know, to, to hide it or what? Um, because what is interesting is that there's no extra air intakes on the side of the vehicle um, that it would indicate that there is an engine there, particularly with some of those photos making it look like you can just see through those louvers and there's nothing there like ducting or anything like that. Um, but the the trip out with this prototype, unfortunately, really um, was cut short of these spy photos because it was uh, when we go six pages into the, the discussion of this mystery, um, uh, forum post of the of the prototype, it actually crashed on the ring. Um, and as the description says, it bounced from one one side to the other. And um, obviously, not too long after that, they covered it up and took it into an enclosed tow truck. And um, that was it. So unfortunately, we weren't able to to learn anything more from this mystery car. But it certainly does raise some questions as to what they're doing. Some other eagle-eyed um, or elephant uh, memoried uh, forum members pointed out that it could be perhaps um, anything to do with the electric uh, turbos that been being patented back in 2011. Um, but yeah, we, we don't know much. The photos um, don't really show too much. There's a lot of speculation, but it's just a really interesting um, concept anyway to roll with uh, to, to tease that there could be a mid-engine in there. And I know that, you know, BMW fans for a long time have been really holding out for a, for a mid-engine uh, uh, supercar from, from BMW. Yeah, it's, it's like you said. There's lots of different things into this, and you can look into to test mules, and you know the you look at one extreme, and then there's obviously these interesting cooling cooling coolers behind the 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 where the spotlights generally are on the front spoiler, and then you look at this fake vent, well, this vent on the on the rear quarter window, and then the the sticker louvers on the rear window, and then the fact that the rear has got camo but none of the sides and only the front is and yeah, yeah it's it's a weird kind of test mule um and the it, fuel filler cap it's hard yeah to tell where it is where it yeah. is um it, it, it from one angle it looks like a sticker the other one it makes it look real just because of the shadows really kind of look a little weird on it but you go if it is a mid-engine car you probably wouldn't have the fuel filler there if we look at porsche or any other mid-engine cars they kind of relocate that um fuel filler cap because it's you don't 
generally sit the uh, the fuel tank right um, right where you normally would where the engine is. <laughs> um, it's not a Formula One car, at least, uh, where the fuel is located. But yeah, it, it's just um, a lot of weird questions. Also, with the headlights, it's, it looks like it's using like the the launch edition headlights as well, where they've got that like that goldy orangey color in the front. Um, so whether that's just a parts bin dive, people also know pointed out the weird um, side mirrors a little bit uh, E thirty one eight series or even um, E thirty six three series esque. In terms of their design and not the typical typical design so who knows and it will probably be a couple of years before we even you know see the the fruits of whatever they're doing mm. um unless we start to see you know if we see more prototypes with these louvers in the side you know maybe maybe we're onto something um but i think at the moment it's just a an interesting exercise let's just say that yeah exactly and what 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 will it become? Will it be yeah. something that... What are they up to? <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll keep an eye out for what it is, uh, like you said, Ash. Maybe not tomorrow, but down the track a couple of years, maybe. Yeah, so one car that I've been really keen to see, um, unfortunately, will be a little bit longer till we see the production version, but that's the um, the Taycan, or the Taken, depending on how you pronounce it, uh, from Porsche. They had shown the uh, the Cross Turismo version, which is basically I kind of view it as like a the electric Panamera um, that's raised a little bit, so it's kind of like the Audi all road models. Um, but that's been delayed till next year, um, simply because of how popular the regular Taycan has been um, with orders. Um, so it's it's obviously great news for Porsche in the way of that they've got so many orders. Um, of their regular model that they don't have production capacity for this cross Turismo or whatever they're going to call it when it comes to production. Um, but also I think uh, there's probably a few disappointed people at the same time. Yeah, exactly. It's interesting that, you know, the cross Turismo is they're, they're calling it is, um, yeah, it's, it's it, look at the, the picture on this story from the guys that driving in Canada, it, it's yeah, it looks cool. I think it'd be an awesome thing to see, and um, as you know, taking what they've done with the Taycan and turning it into something that's more in a sort of an SUV based thing or a lifted wagon or whatever you want to whatever you want to call it. But yeah, I think uh, I think that'd be that'd be pretty cool to yeah to see. And I think it's something that probably well, you know most of this stuff does always does well for Porsche. So yeah, uh, it'd be interesting to see what it does in the market. But um, yeah, I'm intrigued to see what it what, what it mm. becomes. I did. I did have to chuckle at uh, one of the comments made on Twitter. Um, he uh, was uh, going, "Oh, that's a six-month delay. That's going to leave the door open for for Tesla to steal a couple of sales." I'm like, <laughs> "What do you mean?" Like, you know, I'm tired of the the Tesla Porsche comparison with these, yeah. you know, the Model S and that kind of thing because it's like, yes, they have similar performance numbers. Some will even argue the Model S numbers are better, but you know. Top Gear certainly went to a lot of lengths to sort of test both and and, and show the results, but um, but it's kind of it's kind of like comparing a um uh, a HSV you know uh, GTS with a you know with a four door German car. You go yes, they they do the same thing. Um, you know, it's like yeah, aiming it against the M5 and going yeah, they 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 kind of go to 
to you know to do the same or similar things um but how they do it is totally different um you know the level of refinement the level of um you know the the craftsmanship that goes into it is just on a totally different level on each car and they do have each of their own strengths but you know yeah sure model s can be up to two hundred thousand dollars here but you're talking like three hundred thousand dollars um or even i think they you know the, the take on even starts at one hundred ninety nine thousand dollars here um if i'm remembering it correctly and you know, they're just going for different markets. Like, yeah, sure, Porsche said that the number one traded in car in the, I think it was the US, was the Model S um, for the take up. But it, I, I think it, it's just they're going for different markets here. Um, it just so happened that the early adopters of the Tesla were the people who, you know, were, were more affluent and able to, you know, they wanted a performance um, electric car and the Porsche wasn't around, so they, they went for the Tesla. But I, I don't think six months of not having a, a cross Turismo is really going to to end up with Tesla finding themselves with a ton more sales um, from from just one car not not being there. I'm sure they're gonna they they gotta pick up more sales on a Model Three and a Model Y in other markets um, than they will, you know, from other manufacturers not filling or competing against those cars than they will picking up for 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 the model s i think the difference is that the porsche is is the Taycan's a different Taycan is a different market to the to, to the tesla Absolutely. to a certain degree because that is it, it's very different in terms of the market i think like you said the, the tesla was out there for the early adopters that want to get into it but the porsche is a different market i think porsche is going to People are either going to be those that are a Porsche family member, effectively, that have owned a Porsche at some yeah. sometime um, and want to move into that electric thing. I can imagine, particularly where um, in the more affluent suburbs of Melbourne and stuff like that and, and around the country, I can see people probably when their Panamera is up for um, – you know, up for at the end yeah. of lease, and they want to trade in. They buy a Taycan, um, or oh, I can you buy see, it. As a I can, I can see car. the Porsche, the Taycan stealing M5 sales, yeah, RS4 or RS6 sales. Um, any of those like 200,000 plus sedans, performance mm. sedans, I can see the Porsche stealing because A, it's you know, it's in it's on vogue or in vogue in terms of having an electric car. But B, it's still a Porsche and it has all of the credit, you know, the 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 um the the association and the history of Porsche with it in terms of quality, performance, um, and repeatable performance, of course. Um, that you know, Tesla isn't there yet for it. They're getting better, mm. um, and they are improving. Like that's the thing. They're a young car maker. They've got a lot of things to work through, and that's not going to happen overnight. And that's what I've always said is the biggest risk to Tesla right now is their ability to scale and build you know, quality vehicles at that, right. at that level, which obviously there is demand for, um, before car makers, regular car makers can do it because car makers have been building cars for, you know, a hundred years. Most of these ones, or at least, you know, 50 or whatever years, you know, just look at all the anniversary models that have come out from all the car makers just in the last couple of years. Yeah. And so they know how to build cars. They know how to build them repeatedly. 
and to an acceptable level of quality, whether it is a thirteen thousand dollar car or you know a, a million dollar car. And so, changing to an electrified drivetrain isn't as jarring as going we've got the electric technology we're going to build a car on it and try and rapidly scale it there's there's different uh learning curves and things that you know that you can change like even if you do have the the fact you know these car makers have got the factories or they know how to build these factories um you know with highly automated and and scalable solutions so that's their biggest risk and and car makers are finally catching up with that like even look at hyundai look at the price point they can get that kona out and even the ionic electric and um you know yes it's not they're not at the same level of performance or even, um, you know, for the Ionic, it's not the same level of range as some of the Model 3 models um, that are available. But, you know, they're getting there and they're getting there very quickly. Yeah. Um, you know, because they can they can just go and, and invest, uh, like we're talking about $8 billion into the electric side of the company and they don't have to go to the investors and ask to to raise more capital for it they've just got a line of credit to do it um so that's that's the challenges that's that's the you know that's the things that tesla are up against when it comes to the automotive market um and it's great to see that they are having the success which they are having right now because I love, you know, I had a great time driving the Model 3. I've always had a great time driving the Model S. I've, the P100D is fantastic. Um, but, you know, I, I think we've got a take on up here in Brisbane at the moment. It's been making the rounds anyway. There has been one making the rounds here in Australia. And um, I can't wait to see it to just to have a little bit of a comparison from even just what the fit and finish is like, um, because we all know that we are somewhat irrational. And even, you know, when you're looking for a house, it doesn't matter about the rest of the thing. If the kitchen is the thing that is the is the room that sells the house and if the kitchen is great, um, people are going to overlook the other bits and pieces. It doesn't matter how much better, or how much bigger the other one is. Um you know, if the kitchen's better, you know, you're going to be more inclined to buy it. So I think that's the that's the thing that's, you know, where Porsche and, and Tesla are at. And um, it's kind of a bit of a silly comparison. I think um, the arguments that people are saying, um, particularly on Twitter, it's a bit of a don't go on Twitter. Um, <laughs> it's, it's not worth it um, because you get sucked into these sorts of things. But yeah, I think they're two totally different things. They're going for different parts of the market, and um, and best of all, they they're creating competition for each other. They're they're, yeah. they're forcing each other to improve because the thing is, is that we probably wouldn't have the focus on electric cars um, we have now if it wasn't for Tesla. And so that's the wonderful thing that we're getting out of it. We're reaping the rewards as consumers by having not just a choice between petrol and diesel, but it's now petrol, diesel, hybrid, electric, um, and even hydrogen that's growing. So we went from two to five different options for powertrain um, in, a, in, in, what, 10 years. So that's that's pretty awesome from that regard. Yeah, exactly. And we go from um, talking about electric sedans to electric SUVs, Ash. Yeah. So I'm just just signing up this one, but basically, and you're probably more familiar with it, um, Joel, but it's they're calling it the return of the Wagoneer. Um, and the revealed the Wrangler 4 by e So... Th- 
so, so what does 4xe mean? So it's going to be, it's obviously Jeep's electric. So they're promoting it very much at the moment as, you know, silence and stuff like that. So a lot of the promos that they ran, and it was weird that they ran the, when they released, um, around the time of the Bronco was coming up, they launched this teaser around the 4XE, which is obviously going to be their electric yep. Wrangler. So it's not long to wait. It's only a couple of days. It's on the 3rd of September that uh, these are launching. And the Wagoneer, as we talked about earlier tonight, was Jeep's bigger um, model. Um, yeah. And, you know, at the moment, there's interesting talk uh, of what it'll be. It looks like it's going to be a very much a premium. So, you know, the Jeep have had the Grand Cherokee kind of as their premium top of the range model. This new Wagoneer is going to be, again, a premium version. And yeah. some of the photos, you look at the interior and it, it's a work of art. It's very mm. sort of Lincoln um, Cadillac kind of feel to yeah. SUVs and interiors. And, so, and even, everything even in the photos of the uh i just did a quick google of uh the wagoneer spy shots and even just without any other cars in the photos it looks massive it, mm. it dwarfs any of the wheels that they've got on it and i'm pretty sure those wheels are not small you know given no. the americans love putting big wheels on these suvs so the talk is it'll is be a, a three-row um Cedar, it'll probably be, and you look at one of the spot, one of the shots that they've put in this release. It's a top-down shot, um, and there's a couple of things to pick up on this. Is obviously the two by two in the front two rows, so two sort of capstan-style yeah. chairs with a big center console in the second row, with obviously a third row seating behind that. But the interesting, if you look closely, and it's been broken down this week by a couple of outlets, that they reckon that there's going to be a map of Detroit that is etched into the roof. So it's kind of looking like some form of large sunroof in it, yeah. but they reckon that, that it's a, that's a map of Detroit in the roof, cool. um, which is pretty cool. So yeah. um, I'm very excited to see this. Uh, I'm very interested to see whether it will come to Australia. Um, yeah. Being such a unique model, it, it may not, but look, we can only hope um, mm. whether they think there's a market for it. Um, Jeep is really pushing hard in Australia at the moment with their mm. their marketing, and you you're seeing more and more ads, particularly on social. Um, mm. There's a lot more of their ads uh, appearing in feeds and stuff at the moment, of trying to push their branding and new TV ads and stuff like that. So um, yeah, they're pushing hard. But yeah, the the interior of this thing looks amazing. Um, the attention to detail and stuff that they're seeing in it, um, and then obviously what whatever we're going to see once we see the this Wrangler 4XE as well, this electric yeah. Jeep. Um, yeah, so this time next week we'll, uh, we'll be chatting more about what mm. has been unveiled. So um, to put in perspective as well with that Wagoneer, that, um, the spy shots that I'm looking at on Auto Evolution, um, which makes those front tires. So this is the front tires I'm talking about as well. They are 265-50-R20. So the 20 inch 265 width tires, and they look tiny on that Wagoneer model um, with all the camo on it. So this thing is monstrous, um, and I can't wait to see it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and yeah, as I said, we'll, we'll know, we'll, you know, later this week uh, as to what it'll be. Um, it'll be probably Friday our time. Um, yeah. Oh, the other shot they released was this awesome shot. It's not in the, the Roslyn before, but the grill, it's very kind of BM-ish feel with the bigger grill and the real 
chrome look to it and then the interior there was a dial by picture where they released that looks you know kind of very chrome and mm. everything else so yeah they're um yeah they're pushing they're pushing hard for what it'll be but yeah i'm intrigued to see what it is but uh yeah look forward to, to next week when we can chat more about it yeah so this next one um I've, when I first saw photos, I'm like, ah, this is cool. This is really, really cool. Um, so basically, and, and the Driving Canada website says it really well, you know, the just one day after the Dodge Durango Hellcat grabbed headlines as America's most powerful SUV. Um, and we spoke about it a lot. Um, but British Tuna came back and said that the Jaguar F-Pace-based Lister Stealth is aka Britain's fastest SUV. So basically <laughs> saying is that look, if the F Pace SVR is not fast enough for you, um, this thing has huge uh, 23-inch forged Vossen wheels, um, and it's packing 666 horsepower, 650 pound-feet of torque, um, and that comes through the five-liter. V8 that's supercharged and that will give you um, 0 to 60 miles per hour in just 3.6 seconds. Yeah, uh, Lister is one of those companies that's worked with Jag for years in yeah. in building hot versions of their product and uh, this is really, really cool. I mean, I've yet to drive a a uh, an F-Pace SVR, but I can only imagine what this would be like. Um, mm. Having driven a, a standard or the diesel F-Pace, I love it. I think it's it's really really cool, and I love. I'm a big fan of hot SUVs. Um, you know the the Stelvio um, version from Alfa Romeo is just yeah. you know just brilliant in terms of that, and it's just so much fun. But this thing, you know, to keep they say to keep the pistons inside the block, Lister has added a custom inner cooler, cooler dual supercharger pulleys, a stainless steel exhaust system, and a high a high flow intake. Um but yeah this is this is really really cool the fact that they've they've done or created this. Um and it you know it's still subtle. It's black with obviously the the Lister badging on the front with the green trim around the nose and obviously the the big 20 inch 23 inch wheels like you talked about mm. Ash but Mm. Yeah, this thing is really, really cool. Yeah, and what I do find really interesting, so they're building only just 100 of them at 109,000 pounds, which is about, you know, 230,000-ish dollars if you just straight convert it, um, which doesn't really seem like a lot for a car as crazy as this is, particularly when it's top speed of 195 miles per hour. It's five miles per hour faster than Bentley mm. Bentayga, which started at like 500,000. Um and what I do find interesting, so Lister obviously has been around for quite a while. They've been doing race cars and all that kind of thing. Um, but they're hoping that they'll be becoming the like a semi-official tuner for Jaguar. And the reference is kind of like what Alpina is to uh. BMW. Um, so with that in mind, I kind of wonder if maybe not in this model, but for future models, if they do get to sort of create that type of relationship that we'll see some, you know, one or two list of models make their way down under. Yeah. Um, and finding someone that is, that's going to be, that's interested in taking that, um, you know, that becoming it like the same model that um, Alpina are doing here in Oz. They've, they've got a particular dealership that is the agent yeah. for it or a couple of yeah. dealerships around the country, but the agent for it, they only need to do the same thing here. Um, you know, probably someone for like here in Melbourne, there's quite a big 
Jag dealership near my place, but there's also another one back in the city. You know, they would be a, pro, a pro, prime uh, candidate for this sort of stuff. But the funny thing is, one of the first times I remember hearing about Lister was a story I'm pretty sure that was done by Tiff Nadell. And if you scroll down, Ash, the yeah, promo video the that video. was just released has Tiff Nadell driving the Lister talking yeah. about it. So it's their own company video. Um, and yeah, the sound this thing makes is just brutal. It's just fantastic. Yeah, um, so we'll make sure we share the uh, the video for this in the show notes. But in the video, obviously we've talked about the black one that was in the release, but the, in the video it shows a silver one, which actually looks really, really nice as well. So um, this thing would be be pretty cool. So let's hope that you know for this to sake they can get that um, semi official tuner rights, and we might even see one of these come down under. Absolutely. Given, you know, the biggest thing is that because it's Jag, because it's British, it's right-hand drive. So oh. it's um, that's usually the biggest uh, roadblock for us. So that's, um, yeah, that's, that's promising. That's a, that's a good advantage for us yeah. in that sense. So, yeah. But so the, the final bit of international news we've got is uh, so Chevy have shared um, some some photos of the refreshed Bolt EV and um, their new Bolt EUV. Um, so that's so if you, it's kind of you know essentially what the um, the Brina size um, from Holden. Uh, was it's a compact vehicle, but it's just purely electric, and um, it's been really popular over in the states because it is a yeah. smaller, um, more affordable electric car. Um, and it's great, um, even throughout these times, that it's getting a, an updated generation. And it's going to have hands-free driving technology as yeah. well with their Super yeah. Cruise and stuff like this. It's going to production in their summer in 2021. Um, no word as yet as to when it's going to be launched, but yeah. um, <laughs> we'd love to think that it might be made in in right-hand drive uh, and that somehow it might come into Oz through the, the GMSV. I don't think it will somehow. <laughs> I did doubt it, yeah. <laughs> um, but this will be probably good for the market in the US. You know, the Chevrolet have been pushing hard. Having driven their Volt years ago, I love that thing and thought it was really, really cool. Um, the Bolt's done well. I remember seeing probably more of it on um, uh, Hawaii Five-O, the TV series. They had one of the characters driving one for a while. Um, bit of brand presence on the show across with a bunch of other models that they had, just all for brand recognition for Chevrolet. But, uh, yeah, it's in- interesting to see that um, they're going to have an EV and then an EUV. So I'm intrigued to see what the difference is between those two. Yeah, um, and, and unfortunately it's just the just little images. Um, at the moment, it's kind of like what uh, Hyundai did for the Kona. Um, so we'll, we'll just have to wait and see because it's a, it's a model that I've uh, I wish that we got down here um, as, a, as an affordable electric car but yeah obviously with Holden going the way it is um, that was that was it so yeah but let's uh, let's move on to some more exciting things in motorsport <laughs> um, so obviously fairly disappointing qualifying for Ferrari um, I think they were what are they 13th and 15th um, 13th, 14th for qualification for the Belgian Grand Prix. That is but not on. for Renault. <laughs> no, so Renault had a rocket of a of a qualifying, particularly for Dan Ricciardo, uh, qualifying fourth fastest, um, and uh, 
been beat by uh, Verstappen. So it's uh, it's Hamilton, Bottas, and 0.001 of a second uh, behind Bottas was Verstappen, and uh, and then Ricardo. So it's uh, obviously a great qualifying result for Ricardo, and the hopes are high given that Renault have proven to be fairly good on um, their. Uh, high-speed circuits. Um, it seems like, yeah, if uh, maybe maybe if Verstappen and Ricardo work together a little bit, they'll be able to squeeze Bottas out and maybe hunt down. Um, and and maybe if they don't fight too much <laughs> between themselves, <laughs> they can focus, work together, um, and uh, you know take the fight to to Hamilton. Hopefully. Yeah, well, I reckon the Mercedes are saying that they're worried about Renault with the with the downforce setup oh, that they run. But, but so, Mercedes say they're worried about everyone yeah. each weekend, and now that you know they're one point six seconds ahead of mm-hmm. everyone. So yeah, they're clearly it, they're clearly the leaps and bounds in front of everyone else. So, um, but did you like the? And we don't want to sort of bring politics into it, Ash. But <laughs> I do have to comment that I do respect Hamilton, and he he is a guy that. You know, he's polarising at times, but um, his choice to stand up out of the cockpit and give the Black Panther salute after he finished on pole, I think I've got to give him, you know, a good, um, you know, a a nice tribute, um, you know, on the passing of the actor during uh, over the weekend so um yeah look i mean i'm mean, excited for tonight we've got um got an hour till we we kick off um i hope so, it's a good race um so do I. if you're listening yeah. to this the race will have already run but we're living in the past per se and <laughs> uh, we won't know the result until <laughs> until uh later on but look it's uh so they've added you know, moving on, looking at the future, it seems like we have, we do we know. Were, we have a know, full calendar for the rest of the year now. Yeah. So now um, the new, the latest races to be added um, is the, uh, on Nova, November 13 to 15 is the Formula One DHL Turkish Grand Prix. So obviously Turkey. And then we have a uh, double header in Bahrain. Um, and most interestingly, the second race, um, which will be the penultimate uh, race of the season um, in Bahrain, will be actually using the outer circuit of the Bahrain um, track. And what that means, it, it's it's kind of like an elongated oval. You know, it's kind of oval in shape. It's the closest thing we're going to see to, to a NASCAR-style track. Um, and it means that we should be seeing some hella fast laps. They're predicting mm. a five, a uh, sub fifty-five second um, race lap. And uh, and and a few of the jokes are going, well, Ferrari, they're not looking forward to it. And um, B, how many uh, how many uh, times can Hamilton <laughs> lap the entire field? So, um, but I'm I'm gonna I'm looking forward to it. It should be yeah. a, a very there was talk about it um, during the week before it was confirmed, and a, a lot of people had their hopes high because you know it's one thing to have a double header, it's, but it's even better when you can have a double header that uses a different track layout. Um, and I did see one comment on Reddit going. Can we take bets on how many uh, how many drivers will turn in the wrong direction? At uh, I think it was turn four, um, you know, with a different layout. So I'm looking forward to it. Um, it is, uh, and then obviously the final race will be the will be held in uh, Abu Dhabi as usual. And um, but I think look, seven seventeen races in uh, in total for the season. And I've got to say, 
even with the Mercedes dominance, it has been so far the best season of Formula One that I remember for a long time outside of, um, you know, in, in, at least in the modern era um, of, of tracks and layouts and drama and, and double yeah, headers as well. Really, yeah. Like this is even, you know, even when Ferrari vetoed the, the reverse grids, even though I'm sure they're thinking that maybe that was a good <laughs> idea now. Um, but, you know, this has created some, some exciting racing and, and amongst the midfield, like the midfield is extremely tight. Um, and we've got, uh, Williams performing. Uh, I think they're like 2.6 seconds faster than they were last year. Um, you know, so it's, it's great. Uh, and it's great for, you know, we're seeing some good racing because of how tight that midfield is. Um, and we're seeing some variants. Like it's the, when you look at the top 10, it's a, it's a great mixed bag of, um, of teams. Yeah, and it's been good. I'm really looking forward to Turkey. Um, It's been a few years since we've been there. Um, 2011 was the last time that they ran, so I'm intrigued to to see that again. And obviously the different – I'm glad they're mixing up the tracks for for Bahrain and we're going to get a couple of different options. Um, So, yeah, that's uh, that's pretty cool. So it'll be a good good way to finish off the season. Um, We're going to get it – the, the fact that we're going to get 17 races, considering we didn't start till way later in the season, yeah. um, the fact that we're now get a season um, has been pretty cool. And, and the fact that so many sports have been able to make it work, um, obviously Formula One and IndyCar, yeah. um, a lot of the European series, um, you know, it, it, it's it's great. Um, and, you know, we, we're moving on from, from here, moving into sort of supercars and, and what... Um, is happening here you know we had another this weekend was the first round of a double header for townsville um and it was dominant pretty much for um for triple eight they had a really really good weekend wing cup one went can't speak tonight uh wing cup uh, won two races uh, and Scotty picked up the the last race, um, but there was some really good mixed bag of, again of people doing well. Um, you know, um, the guys from for Tickford did well. Um, a couple of guys from BGR had really good results. Um, you know, Courtney finished on was doing well as well for for Tickford and and, and you know all these different names that are, that are coming up. We've had a really mixed bag, but it seems to be the the same sort of guys that are at the front end. But it's going to make an interesting run. I mean, it was great to see Chaz Munson do well as as well. Um, but moving into what happens from here, we've talked about it for the last couple of weeks, waiting for them to make a decision on what's going to happen and where we go from here. Um, and it's been announced this evening that um, what we thought was going to happen was they were going to stay in Queensland after next weekend's Townsville uh, second doubleheader and actually go to Queensland Raceway. Well, during the week, they announced that Queensland Raceway won't be holding it. So we're all wondering what's going to happen. So they've announced mm. that they're going to go to Adelaide. So how that's going to work, I don't know um, in terms of the schedule for the teams and stuff like that. Um, but Bathurst has also been moved as well. So Bathurst will be a week later um, and it will be the final round of the year. So what yeah, a race. It's going to make it exciting. To- yeah, what a way to finish the year is to have Bathurst as the final round of the year. We're going to have a double header at the bend, um, which is great because I mean Adelaide's going to Sastra is going to get two goes of, of having um, you know events in, in attendance. Um, obviously, Clips will start of the year, and then obviously then the bend. So um, the bend's obviously going to be September nineteen and twenty, and then twenty six to twenty seven, um, and then uh, from there we'll. 
people then won't have Bathurst will now go from being um, that uh, will now be the 18th of October. Um, so, yeah, there's going to be a few weeks break. So I don't know. I mean, Victoria is becoming less and less of a problem in terms of the numbers and we are dropping. So hopefully if we can no longer become considered a hotspot, the teams might be after Victorian teams might be able to return here um, after Adelaide. Um, because that's sort of a month away and, you know, if the numbers are good and our restrictions drop, then we might be considered okay for the guys to return to. But it's going to make it hard for the guys to, you know, they've been away from their families for so long. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be interesting. So we can only hope that um, we get some good racing and, and Bathurst is just going to be an absolute ripper because, you know, to finish off the, the championship... At Bathurst, Bathurst is always a big race and you always need to do well there. But the fact that you need to finish to win the championship, yeah. wow, yeah. it's going to be some very interesting strategies being played. Yeah, that's right. That's, uh, yeah, I, I think I think it's a great way to, to finish the season, though, of uh, going to such the iconic track. Like mm. it, 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 it really makes it an event. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll, but it's been a great great round of uh, of, uh, of racing and um with uh with wing cup keeping the championship alive this weekend he said it oh. in the interview and i go yeah that's good it's always exciting when you can have a bit of a fight back um you know to, to keep things interesting and as he said yeah he doesn't believe that somebody should be able to just run away and uh run away with it so and Chaz has done well he's come back and he's been fighting hard so it's good to see a few other guys really turning on their um their performance towards the end of the year and it's going to make the you know the next we got obviously we're back at Townsville again next weekend and the double headers have always been interesting to see what um you know the guys are doing from week to week and the fact they've got another week to 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 dial in what they need to change and then obviously yeah. to have then the double header in in um at Talem, uh, it's going to make for great racing there as well and then obviously leading up to Bathurst is going to be a great way to to, to finish the mm. year mm. Yeah, and um, look, Pike's Peak is uh, is on this this weekend, and um, there's certainly uh, no lack of uh, drama as well. Yeah, so Pikes has been moved. Obviously, another event that was uh, had to be moved due to COVID, um, and it's been hard because they've had to restrict numbers, um, and fans aren't allowed on the mountain this year. So, um, spectator numbers are down. Um, look, the entry list is also down as well, which is a shame because. Um, you know, normally we, and there's been talk during the week through a couple of journos that I know were talking about it, that we really expected after Volkswagen took their ID3 there a couple of years ago and yeah. um, the ID car and, and actually, you know, blitzed the record that we thought that we might see more brands go there and really, you know, try and make the moment. Peugeot went mm. a few years ago with Seb and, you know, just destroyed it. And then Volkswagen went with the ID and did um, another great job of destroying the record. But this year it kind of hasn't happened. So uh, as I said to a couple of people during the week, we don't know what people may have planned. Like there, there may have been brands that may have been in the thinking and then COVID hit and it's, you know, it's restricted it or people have thought about it. Someone said, you know, we'd love to see Ford take the... Um, the awesome 
um, marquee concept that they built yeah. and take that because that would just be absolutely brilliant. Um, so, yeah, it's a pretty pretty thin entry list this year. Uh, it kicks off in just over an hour's time, um, and you can actually watch it. I'll be watching it on, online. So by the time you, you hear this, it will be one and run. But there's actually a couple of Aussies running um, this year, and that's what kind of drew my attention back into it. I, I knew that intrigued to see what it is. There's been a little bit of you know, talk of, of stuff happening. And so I've been keeping an eye on it. Um, and there's one Australian, John McGuinness, is running his um, Sierra RX3, which is an open wheel concept. Um, so that should think of an interesting watch. But what really struck me was uh, Blake Bilko Williams, who's the motocross rider who's a, an Aussie, is running a 2018 Porsche GT4 Club Sport in the Pikes Peak Trophy being run by Yokohama. Um, yeah, this right. is a, a class that's been run the last couple of years and supported by by Porsche. Um, so, yeah, we wish Bilko well, and I hope, uh, I hope he has a good event. Um, that. Uh, the car looks good. It's got really nice Yokohama sponsor, sponsorship all around it. But the one I think I'm going to be watching and I think will be the real um, – they reckon that the one of the ones will be probably – be, again, another um, Porsche that will be to watch, um, which is – I can't find it in my list uh, – is David Donner in the nine – the Porsche GT2 RS Club Sport. Um, they reckon that that could be the car to watch um, and it could be the quick. But what I'm interested to see is how Jeff's Wart go. And Jeff is a, a multi-time entrant and previous winner. He's going to be running a 2019 Porsche 935 nice. uh, in the event. And that thing Huge looks awesome. Yeah. Um, and this thing is awesome. And, um, yeah, so there's a few things happening. The guys at Motor Trend are there doing a documentary, which should be cool to watch. Yeah. Um, um, but the other thing is, obviously, we talked previously about electric cars. Uh, Tesla, well, not tes- not Tesla themselves, but a few people have taken Teslas this three, uh, this year um, and taken Model 3s to the event. Um, and Randy Probst had an interesting uh, run during the week. He took the, the car and it went going up the hill. People aren't 100% certain what it is. I think the, the last thing I read was that he hit a patch of frost um, and it literally flicked the car off the road um, up the top of the hill um, in a big way, uh, a bit of a big accident. He was okay. Car was not not good though pretty yeah. badly damaged um it's a bit of a mess um i get ash, ash will probably share the photos in the in the show notes but mm. um so they thought they were out um but um one of the guys that's part of the documentary crew that's there matt hardagree uh posted a tweet saying that they'd gone looking for another one um and they found a brand new model three and they were actually going to try and blend the two of them together so they're going to take the race car they had pull what they could off it and put it into this new uh model three and and they're back in the event so that should be uh interesting to to watch um come race day in a couple of hours. Mm. Uh, they worked late into the night, um, finished at f- uh, they were ready to, to, to head off on the next day. So, yeah, it should be uh, it should be very interesting uh, to, to watch and keep an eye on. But this has been an event that, you know, I've been wanting to go to for a long, long time. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those iconic events. So um, we'll give you a bit of a report next week uh, on what's happening. It's kicking off the same time as the, the Grand Prix tonight. So, um, yeah, I'll be keeping a bit of an Some eye on that. Some screen action going on. Yeah, lots going on. 
<laughs> yeah, well, look, it's. Uh, I think looking forward to discussing a few things, and hopefully we'll have Mick uh, back next week as well. We've got a few things to catch up, and um, yeah, hear what he's been doing. Yeah, and we <laughs> should also have. I think it should be enough time. Should have some sales figures as well um, to talk about, so we'll be able to cross off um, and and see what the impact of the lockdown in Victoria has been. On yeah, what's done to the market. Yeah, so that would be interesting to see. If you have anything you want us to discuss or to ask us about, you can send us an email, shows at dailyautofix.com, um, as well as you can follow Joel at Joel Strick Photo um, for everything on uh, everything that he's doing within lockdown in Victoria, and um, as well as you can follow at Daily Auto Fix for what we're up to. Uh, thank you again for subscribing. Make sure you leave us a review um, on your platform or an Apple podcast. That's where it seems to be most reviews happen. And um, But, yeah, look, that's that's everything from us this week. Enjoy the uh, the Formula One and uh, Pikes Peak if you are tuning in or even the supercars. And um, we look forward to seeing you back here next week. Have a good week. We'll speak to you next week. All right. See ya.